Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast exploring reproductive technology and life-changing stories. Here are your hosts, Jennifer White and Ellen Trackman. Welcome to I Want to Put a Baby in You, a podcast where we explore all things assisted reproductive technology and have the great honor of interviewing people with personal stories of their lives changed or professionals as well. This time we get a personal story, pretty amazing. But From around the world even too is what's the cool part about this. Yeah, so I'm Ellen Trackman and I'm here with my co-host. Who are you? Je- I, Jennifer. I, I'm Jennifer White. Yeah, oh, your, your name is Jennifer White. Yeah. Um, Who am I? Again, yes, I'm going to keep asking this existential question every time. Right? <laughs> we spend our whole lives trying to discover that. Who but, am I? Um, and part of that discovery, Jen, what's the farthest you've uh, traveled from home? Um, so define home, I guess. Yeah, the that's the hard part for me. Sure. Um, so I have lived in Germany. And I have lived in the UK. So is that does that mean that that became my home at those times? So then I wasn't yes. traveling very far from home. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I definitely, when we moved to Germany, it felt very like we were very, very far from what felt like home to us because obviously it's just what you're used to and you kind of get plunked down like a, a fish in a new bowl. Uh, what yeah. about you? What's the farthest you've traveled from home? Oh, I mean, I feel like I've been so fortunate that I, you know, when I was younger, I prioritized traveling and really got to go to some fun places. So um, Australia was pretty far, at least from the United States. And that was yeah. amazing. Uh, the United Arab Emirates, like that, wow. and Turkey and that area, that was incredible. I studied abroad twice, like anytime I got an excuse to go yeah, abroad. Right? So in undergrad, I studied in Moscow and then in uh, law school, I studied in Dublin. Both oh. were incredible. So I've been been very fortunate. Right. The question is though, I would say, yeah. have you been oh. to Norway? Is the or have you not Norway? Have you been to Denmark? Is the question. I haven't. Have you? I have not. That was on our list, actually. Norway, Denmark, uh, Sweden, all of Scandinavian countries was on our list. And unfortunately, as we were moving back from the UK, we just ran out of time. I spent a day in Oslo, but I haven't been to Denmark. Okay. So well, um, we did have an exchange student from Denmark. That is kids. true. Shout out to Gita. That's right. So, I mean, you know. Hopefully she listens to our podcast. Uh, right? So if she does, then she needs to call her hotline. <laughs> right? Um, but yeah, no, I definitely have not been that far. So it's been, it was interesting to talk to Casper and hear his story about how different things are for from surrogacy from their perspective and where they are. Welcome, Casper, to the show. Thank you for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. We really appreciate it. And this is a historic moment, as I was just explaining to you, that we've never before had an international intended parent who's gone through surrogacy in the United States join us. So hopefully you're you're one of many. And I know many people, many, many individuals and many couples do this, but I think it'll be be interesting to explore how that looked for you. So just starting at the beginning, do you want to talk a little about your who you are, um, your situation, what country you're from, and kind of what led you to surrogacy? I would love to. Uh, well, so my name's Casper, and I am from Denmark, and I'm happily married to my husband, Lambang. It's an Indonesian name. Um, and we became the proud parents of twins through surrogacy in awesome. August you, last year. You ruined the ending. <laughs> I was going to say, no spoiler one, alert, no one happy ending. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Okay, fine. Now everyone knows there's a happy ending. Okay, go on. <clears throat> okay, yeah. So, um, well, yeah, first of all, my name's Casper. Uh, do you want to start <laughs> over or are we like... No, uh, no, 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 no. 
it's awesome. You're great. Keep going. Just okay. keep going. I'm gonna keep no, going. I'm just, I'm just giving yeah. you a hard time. <laughs> um, so yeah, we had uh, we had twins uh, back in August last year through surrogacy. They were born in Denver, Colorado, and so our life has been like an amazing mess of diapers and pooping and crying also happy tears ever since mostly and also, happy tears. and also the baby's doing those things too exactly exactly <laughs> but most times it's me and my husband so yeah um and yeah so we're from denmark and denmark is uh it's kind of a funky place uh in regards to surrogacy laws it's in a beautiful amazing place in almost every other regard food tourism you name it but surrogacy is sort of like a legal gray zone here because well we can probably dive more into that later but but sure but, but if you uh, want to give kind of like the overview but generally an overview so Denmark is I think representative of a lot of countries in Europe in the sense that surrogacy is kind of allowed but then not really and what that means is basically that um so surrogacy is allowed if it's uncompensated. It's what we call altruistic surrogacy. Um, if you have a sister or a friend who wants to carry for you, then the government in Denmark is like, yeah, that's kind of fine, but we won't intervene in anything. And I mean, not intervening is fine to a certain extent, but that also means no support, no talking to a psychologist, no talking oh. to doctors, no... Oh, wow. Yeah, really? no actually preparing these women. And I mean, obviously it's a beautiful thing if you have a sister or a friend who wants to carry a baby for you, but oftentimes that person has also witnessed like a long, sorrowful process of someone close to her not being able to foster children. And so... So, so, so there's also sort of an emotional pressure that, of course, she can have the best intentions, but I feel like the American system is so great in the sense that there are so many people to talk things through with. There are so many security nets in that sense. So that's sort of the beginning point of it. And then, obviously, you have the whole pregnancy, and she can actually give birth to the child and give it to the parents. But then because we have a law in Denmark that states that the woman who gives birth is the mom, no matter what, we don't have this intended... Uh, parents' birth order thing in Denmark. So even though she says, I don't want to be a parent, and even if uh, the intended parent says, we are the parents, she has to be the mom legally for two and a half years before oh, she can... Oh, wow. Two yeah. and a half years? And that's because we don't wow. have surrogacy laws in Denmark. So oh. what they do in Denmark is that they turn to whatever law is kind of close to it. So where they get the two and a half years from is from uh, the divorce law in Denmark. Oh, yeah. Oh. So in the divorce law, it says like if, if mom and dad split and then they find a new girlfriend or new boyfriend, then that person has to wait two and a half years before being able to adopt the child because the new couple has to get to know each other. Oh, and that's sort wow. of what they're they're saying to intended parents here, like you have to get to know each other. It's like, come on, we just had a kid. Like <laughs> we, we, we kind of know each other. Um, and so that's why in general, generally speaking, that's why a lot of Danish people turn um, turn abroad to places where surrogacy laws are a lot more liberal and there's a much stronger like safety net and right. a lot of heterosexual couples in Denmark they go to the Ukraine where it's legal um, and they do as far as I've heard now obviously we've done in the States so I can't really be an expert on that subject but they have a lot of the same screening processes for the um, for the uh, carriers there uh, but there's no contact between the carrier and the intended parents oh and wow. yeah exactly and so well and also an added fun bonus is that they don't work with gay couples because uh, uh, yeah, homosexuality in Eastern Europe is not like a bad yeah. mix. It's kind of like toothpaste right. and orange juice, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, but even worse. Uh, even worse. Oh. And so that's, why, uh, that's also why we turned to the U.S. So to answer your initial question, we yeah. came to the U.S. because we were welcomed with open arms. 
That's yeah. Fantastic. And how did you start that process? Did you just go on the internet and see, who, or did you know people who had used certain clinics or agencies? How did that start? Yeah. Well, so actually when my husband and I met each other, I think it was like 36 hours after we met, we started talking about kids. Oh. Uh, yeah. Like he, 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 he had always known he wanted kids and I had two. So that became, that became sort of a stable theme uh, for the first couple of years of our relationship where we just talked about having kids, but not really how to do it. Did we say what your husband does? I feel like oh, that. Yeah, he's, a, he's a pediatrician. <laughs> so like that yeah. kind of plays into him I'm, wanting kids, possibly. Or, right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I kind of like felt like, okay, if he can deal with like sick and crying children all day and come home and still and want his still own. still want like, them. The yeah, that's a good thing. Like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. It's also very convenient to be married to a pediatrician. Really, right? Like, save like, some trips. I'm like freaking out every other second. Like, why are they making that noise? Why are they crying? Why? And he's like, chillax. Everything is going to be fine. <laughs> so it's very, it's, it's funny because a lot of our friends, they say to us that it, that it kind of like feels like these were our second children, like our, our, our second round of children because people are normally a lot more relaxed when they have like their second child or third child. Yeah. And I think we have that sort of relaxed there because obviously he's seen like so many sick kids that he can just like take that anxiety out of me and go like it's gonna be fine and I can give a testimonial to that you guys stopped by my house when the babies were really like a week old they were nine days old yeah nine days old and yeah. they were so calm so rested so showered and together I was like I am I'm not like that ever I, and yeah. you guys I'm so, <laughs> I have a teenager and I'm I can't promise I'm showered right now no. and they were so sweet more the teenager they, they he um they kind of let my eight-year-old change a diaper and walked her through it it was so so sweet yeah, Aww. that was actually a really good experience. That's right. We were just like on cloud nine those days. So Aww. everything was like, yeah, hold the baby, change the baby. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's all good. Yeah. Um, okay, but so. To go, so to go back to how we got into the surrogacy yeah. journey. So uh, then we got married three years after we met each other. And for our wedding, we uh, opted not to have like a gift registry. Uh, we didn't want any more like cottery sets or vases or anything. <laughs> we just, we, so we actually created a... Uh, children's fund. So we wrote oh, in the invitation oh, to, wow. to the wedding yeah. that we know we're going to have kids someday. We don't know how, but we know it's probably going to be expensive. So please yeah. donate. So everybody donated <gasps> to that. Uh, all wow. of the guests. So left. sweet. And then a few months after the wedding, we went to Indonesia uh, to my husband's, uh, well, not home country. He was born in Denmark, but by Indonesian parents. He still has a lot of family in Indonesia. And we went down there and we actually... Um, uh, got to talk with a distant relative who had, she's like this uh, mother figure of this little township outside of Jakarta. And she had uh, gotten in contact with this young woman who was pregnant but didn't want to keep the child. Oh. And she said that that that, that this woman, uh, or that she would actually really like to adopt to someone that she could see who was because the foster care system uh, and the, like all the orphanages in Indonesia aren't of the best standards. So she would rather do that than give it up uh, to an orphanage. And she said that she would write my husband uh, on the birth certificate as the biological father and that oh, she probably wow. fix that. Yeah. And we were like over the moon because we were just like, okay, we got married three months ago. We thought this process was going to take like years, but let's go back to Denmark and talk to a lawyer about this. Yeah. So we went back, we spoke to, a, we found a lawyer who, who specialized in the sort of uh, family reunification cases. And she said, not going to happen. Um, really? Because, oh. 
We have, uh, as you may know, like in Europe specifically, just like you have uh, Trump talking walls in the US. Yeah. We have a lot of right wing politicians in Europe who are all for border control and like just keeping everybody who is uh, fleeing out of Syria and Africa from entering uh, the EU. What that means is that we have stricter and stricter laws uh, regarding who can enter countries and not. And she said, if you bring this child home, then the officers at the Copenhagen airport are going to uh, look into, first of all, like your history, that's going to say that he's married to a man, that's going to get all the alarm bells ringing, they're going to ask for a DNA test, that DNA test is going to show that that kid is not biologically yours and you will both be expelled to Indonesia. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, yeah. that's serious. Yeah, exactly. And then she said the other option is that you could uh, stay with the child for two to three years in Indonesia to... Um, to actually that. plead the case that you had such a strong bond that it would probably let you in anyways. And I mean, I love Indonesia, but it's still the largest Muslim country in the world. And even though I love Muslims, then two guys and a kid is not always the best combination in right. the in the Far East. Yeah. Um, so that was basically just a question of personal safety. And then it was actually um, our lawyer. She didn't really say to us, do surrogacy. She recommended us to uh, talk to some people who had done a journey because the laws in Denmark also says like you you, you can't guide anybody into surrogacy. Oh. That's actually Ill- illegal. But what you can do is you can say, talk to this person about whatever, about the sun. But then obviously there's something. <laughs> right? right? It's, 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 your favorite it's, book. It's, it's the lines, yeah. Right. And then we talked to, uh, to this wonderful uh, other gay couple who had just gotten their little girl six months prior and they were like over the moon. And Aww. it really opened our eyes because surrogacy in the U.S. is not something that we know a lot about in Denmark. Surrogacy in like when we hear about surrogacy abroad in Denmark, it's oftentimes all the bad stories, um, like what happened uh, in Thailand. Even in the U.S., yeah, Yeah. even in the U.S., that's what we hear a lot of in the news, yeah. Yeah, so we were kind of like pre-programmed to think that surrogacy was all about like exploiting poor women in third world countries. And so we had never even given that a thought until we realized what the model in the U.S. was and that whole concept of actually investing in each other as people and going through a journey together that creates this really special bond. Not, uh, I mean, actually a bond that kind of scared me in the beginning because I thought, oh my God, is this woman going to think like she's the mom of the kid? Right. But then I realized like, no, she's not the mom. She doesn't want to be a mom, but what she wants to is to actually help you fulfill a dream that she has already had come true. And that is like the biggest self-sacrifice that I've ever yeah. witnessed. Yeah. So, 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 so that's how we got into it. And then we realized the cost of it. So yeah. we just bought a house, right? And then right. you had a heart attack, right? Yeah. <laughs> had a heart attack, yeah. I, I thought you'd be like, let's get married again to start to help with that fund. Actually, our first thought was like, why do we spend that much money in booze? Like, come on. <laughs> <laughs> like, weddings are expensive. That could be like half a kid. Come on. Right? Um, no. So, so, so we had actually bought a house a few months before the wedding because we were... I don't know, we're, we're, we're kind of like homemakers, both of us. Like, happiness for us is having, like, our dog and our car and our kids and, and stuff like that. Um, we have a lot of friends who still, like, mostly enjoy going to bars. We could do that once in a while, but, like, happiness was somewhere else for us. We knew that. So we had bought this house that we thought was going to be our forever home, realized the cost of the surrogacy journey. We actually looked each other in the eyes within, like, two minutes and said, like, let's sell the house again. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, so we invited like a bunch of realtors to come along and like just sort of like pick their brains about like what would they do to this house to make it more sellable. We compiled all of that into like this list and then we started renovating. Um, 
and it was a f- so basically we just flipped a house because we re- we renovated a place we thought was going to be ours into something that was totally not us like style wise but we knew it was going to sell right and we sold that in three months and we made eighty percent of what we needed to complete the journey oh wow so we could begin straight away um, yeah so that's how we got into it uh, we sold a house and decided to have kids that's great so obviously there's logistics as you're dealing with coming from over like from anywhere outside the United States, even inside the United States, there's logistics. But did you, how did you find all of the pieces? What, what made you start on any given path? Cause there's so many, you know, reproductive yeah. endocrinologist, you obviously need a donor eggs, uh, yeah, agency. Yeah, exactly. yeah, where, where, where did your brains go <laughs> to start? Mm. So my first recommendation is find a network, find some people you can talk to who have been through a journey because they will be your like uh, guiding light in this, especially if you're from a country like Denmark where there aren't any uh, official information or right. documents to be found. Um, so we got in touch with this other couple and they shared how they had done. And then we realized, okay, so first of all, you have to find like an agency and you have to find a fertility clinic. Okay, so we have two concrete tasks to begin with. Um, then we started Googling and finding like a lot of different uh, information and everybody is saying that they're the best agency, or they're course, the best clinic right. and so on so on. So we used uh, menhavingbabies.com, which is uh, actually a really good website also for... Um, like uh, so, basically, people rank uh, their experiences at these different clinics and um, and agencies. Just like it's it's a nice way to 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 just enter this really confusing field. So what we did is that we decided that the guiding principle for this journey should be gut feeling. We weren't going to trust any like <laughs> sales pitches or anything. We wanted to meet people face to face first of all on Skype and then face to face. So we picked three different agencies, three different fertility clinics. We had initial Skype meetings, and then we actually went to the U.S. because we could combine it with we had to go to a wedding anyways oh, for a friend great. in New York, and we had like different agencies from Boston coming come down. We went to an agency in New Jersey that we actually uh, wound up using, um, but. That was all guided by like what feels right, because I mean, when you're from abroad, this process. What's so specific about this entire journey is that it's something that is so close to your heart emotionally, yeah. but so far away physically. Right. That you need to know that you had that right gut feeling when you made this arrangement and when you signed that contract, because that's what's going to keep you going when you get home and there's these long periods of nothing happening right. and waiting and then suddenly everything explodes into like <laughs> an ovarian frenzy at the clinic. And yeah, it's just... yeah. It's a, it's a really emotional process in that sense. So gut feeling and then talk to someone who's been through it b- before, someone that you can lean on when things are getting complicated or confusing or really emotional. Um, like, let's say something doesn't really go to plan, for example. Um, yeah. Did your agency help you with both? Was it the same agency for both an egg donor and a surrogate? Well, actually, our fertility clinic helped us with the egg donor. Um so it was funny because the couple that guided us through it here in Denmark, they say that they had begun by uh, finding, well, getting on the wait list for the um, for the GC and then finding uh, a neck donor once they had found their carrier. Um, and we sort of talked to other couples then who said it was probably easier to do it the other way around because it's also a feeling of when you're 
from abroad is it's like this feeling often of nothing is happening. So it's nice to plan out a way that you feel like you're actually moving in this process because it, it, it can take a year and a half, two years, two and a half years in our case. Uh, so we actually started by finding a fertility clinic that also had uh, an egg donation program. So we found the egg donor to begin with. We, we, we went over to the US, donated and created the embryos before we found the GAC while we were still on the waiting list because technology has gotten so good now that it can just keep the embryos frozen uh, and then you're you're ready to go once you found well once you find your GC then you don't have to wait for the entire egg retrieval yeah and, and it's interesting we've actually found some clinics that will not even screen a gestational carrier until the intended parents have embryos because they don't want we're her running just into waiting. that more yeah so it seems okay, like yeah, the yeah, yeah. like kind of the process is more establishing that like. Find your donor, make your embryos, then find your gestational carrier. But it was interesting to hear, like when you just start and don't know how that went. Exactly, exactly. And like, what's the right way to do it, and who's the right to work with? It's it's really confusing feel. And obviously, as I said, there are some guiding or or some guide websites to be found in the U.S. But still, just to have contact with someone who's been through it is just totally priceless. And in Denmark, we do big, 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 big because of the. Um, because of this legal gray zone that surrogacy is, there's like this big secret uh, Facebook page, basically with hundreds of members of people who have already had children yeah. or who want to begin the process, who are in the middle of the process, where we share everything that's going right. on. Um, and I feel very secure saying that because I know that Facebook answers to U.S. laws and not teenage. I was about to say it's not a secret yeah. anymore, is it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I won't tell you what it's called. <laughs> very nice. So, how did it go with them? Like, tell me, did they give you profiles? Did you have that gut feeling again? Did you meet with her? We didn't. Yeah, no, we had that feeling. Uh, it's, it's a really surreal experience because we have lesbian friends who have talked about, like, who have had kids who have talked about this, like going through like databases yeah. of, of, of like sperm donors and. It's funny because in Denmark, like if you if 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 you're looking for a sperm donor, the information you'll get on a donor is like very sparse. There's not a lot of there. It's like a page to a half and no pictures. It's more like descriptions. So the experience of actually getting access to the egg donor bank through our fertility clinic was just kind of an eye open and really like out of this world experience. Like, okay, here's this catalog of gorgeous women that could be the mom of our children. And, right. and they joke. The joke is that everyone says they want someone really smart, but really just they. Just want someone pretty so how did you choose yeah. your your donor I feel, like, I feel like we actually found uh, both and we realized that we, we could do that because of all the information that was in the egg donation uh bang and profile uh, so then we set up like these different filters we we, we actually sat down one night and we created like we opened a bottle of red wine uh. and we <laughs> created a list of 10 specific bullet points that was most yeah. important to us do you remember what, what were your what were your top your yeah points. so the top so the top things are actually uh, height, because both my parents and my husband's parents are like hobbits. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then we had ethnicity, because obviously my husband, he's, he's of Asian descent, a lovely caramel, dark-skinned, uh, handsome guy, and I'm uh, pale as Casper uh. the Ghost. Uh, so, 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 we thought, okay, because we had this initial plan, like let's see if it's even possible to have twins where we're the, we're the biological father of each one. So we thought, okay, if then we, if we find an egg donor who has like a little bit of an ethnic mix, then we won't like wind up with 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 like a mixed child and one that's just as pale mm. as me. Maybe they'll feel like some sort of kinship and also being like a. A little bit olive skin, both of right. them. So you're fine. Um, so you're looking also, for someone with a mix of those. 
Yeah, exactly. And I think that's also like a really good point in this whole process. Like, honestly, you sometimes you have too much time to think about <laughs> these kind of things. Right. Yeah. And 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 you get like obsessed oh. with it. And because what we had heard, because what we had heard was also like, oh yeah, you're probably gonna find an egg donor. You're gonna write to the agency, and and then either a she's not gonna be able to donate anymore, or b somebody else got there before you. Because there is like so yeah. many people around the world looking at donors sure. at the same time. So anyways, we set up these parameters and then we didn't really find anything that was like super, we found one or two, but then it was like we could see the family um, like health history as well. And there was like some deaths of the parents from like genetic diseases. So we thought, okay, we're not going to do that. Um, and then actually the day after one of my colleagues had worked, because I told her about like that we had gotten into this database and she was like super curious about like what that looked like. So I locked on and I could see like from a per, from the parameters we had set up, suddenly there was like one more uh, hit. Ooh. And it was just like this. Just amazingly, when you were logging on to show your coworker, just, to show your friend. Exactly, exactly. And she was like beautiful. And I, and I remember, like, I went from like explaining to her how like this works, kind of like a tour guide of uh, like the U.S. fertility system, into like being like, "Shut Wait, up, quiet." Who is this? I, I need to read. <laughs> I need to call yeah, this yeah. right now. Yeah. Yeah. And she was perfect because she was like. Um, so 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 she was a mix. She was fifty uh, percent Caucasian, twenty five percent British, twenty five percent Swedish. From her mother's side and the dad's side, she was uh, half Puerto Rican and half Afro American. Uh, so like a real like total mix. Uh, and she was just beautiful. And then that combined with all of the profile information we got about her that she was actually training to become a doctor. Wow. Uh, Exactly, which really uh, like made a home run with my husband, and what <laughs> made a home run with me was like that she wrote like, "I love culture, everything from Jane Austen to America's Next Top Model." And I was like, "That's me, <laughs> perfect." Uh, I will forever be like this reality TV uh, teenager combined with like English romantic literature. So, <laughs> and then also what I feel is amazing in the U.S. as well, especially at this fertility clinic. I don't know, or this egg donation program. I don't know if they do that everywhere. Is that she? They had also questioned her. her her motifs for donating her eggs, um, and I thought that that was actually really special because she wrote that like both of her parents were really, really, really successful at their jobs, but her father had had initially come to the country without without like a penny to his name. He had to work his way up from nothing to this, and so she said, even though we have had a privileged upbringing, me and my brothers and sisters, we have always been taught like we have to find our own ways in life. And so she was going to use the money, uh, obviously, for college. But she said, so the story of her parents had also just taught her to to, 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 to really help others in order to further yourself as a human being. Yeah, and great. that was just really special to us. Um, and so she's what you call a semi-anonymous uh, so donor. I was going to ask Did you talk to her or was it just yeah. you saw her profiling? No, so we wrote we wrote a letter to her, and again, well, I mean, I work with PR and communication. So when the agency said like you should write a little letter of appreciation, like I, I didn't really realize that that was probably supposed to be like five lines and a thank you. It was like more sort of novel. like this. Uh, <laughs> it was basically the new edition to the Bible. Yeah, <laughs> 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 like this five pager with pictures of our family and our corky. Like we had this dog called Tofu, and we had like small set of pictures with him. And we just got this email back from the agency, like, this is the craziest letter we've ever seen. Can we hang it in the office? Yeah, sure, sure, go ahead. And then she replied to that through the agency. So we're now part of, I can't remember the abbreviation, but we're part of um, this uh, egg donor registry that means that when the kids are 18, they can contact her if they want. Um, And again, that whole concept of like contact is is, is so. 
it's so important because when we talk surrogacy in Denmark, because people don't really realize what it is and how it can be done ethically, they always compare it to like adoption. So they always ask us like, what are you going to tell the kids when they grow old? And we're like, the truth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, because, because like in comparison to adoption, there is not that sort of um, abrupt break off of like someone saying, I can't handle or I don't want this child. This is a child that is wanted to the point of like, insanity yeah. uh, so, 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 so we almost have like too many answers for them and we're going to be totally honest with them uh, because it's something we're yeah, proud of yeah I love uh, that do you know if she has donated to others and if you do your tweet? yeah this was her last donation this was her fifth donation and that was also one of the things that really sort of uh, caught our interest when we found the profile because we could see um, the numbers from her previous donations so first of all she donated a lot of eggs and in the uh, past Three of her, in three of her four previous donations, had resulted in like pregnancies in the first hit, and from the fourth donation, they hadn't been um, they hadn't been used yet. Um, so that also gave us a good indicator. And it's, it's actually a really important point I feel because we also now we are in contact with a lot of other couples starting or going through surrogacy to like help mentor them as well. Um, and 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 there are like we've had several cases where people who choose first time donors. They wind up like not getting any embryos that are viable, and I mean that's sort of like a gamble because you can also find a first-time donor who is absolutely amazing. But I feel for us because this is also such an economically challenging journey, it was really important to like for every single step just try and make the decision that was the most sort of responsible. Like having some data uh, on what had happened previously to try and eliminate like. Uh, bad things happening along the journey, not just because it had to be like super efficient, but 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 really because of feelings, because you are so emotionally supercharged through everything, and you just are gonna really try and avoid everything that can possibly go wrong. That's in, and that includes for me or for us at least uh, finding an egg donor who had a really good uh, track record. Right. Did you also have thoughts about how your children will have genetically connected other? siblings out there-ish? Yeah, but it's not something we've talked a lot about. We talked a little bit about it in the beginning. Um, but obviously that is also some of the stories that we have to prepare ourselves to unfold for them. Um, and obviously we, we can't know when they grow big if they really want to dive into that or explore. Uh, um, what we can ensure is that there is no love or explanation missing mm. for them from like... Yeah, on our part. That makes yeah. sense. Okay. So how many, so you, you ha- found the donor. How many eggs did yeah. you get? So she donated 55 eggs. Ah, uh, what? Yeah, I know. Yeah. Wait. Uh, and 32 of those were uh, mature to be. 30, uh, 32. So you have two wow. right now. So you yeah. have 30 more children to go. <laughs> no, so, no? So, so there were 32 and then we split that into two portions and then we donated our semen to each one of those portions. And then, we actually went, uh, then they grew until this to the Bassist stage, um, like day five or six. And then there was 25 left um, wow. after that process, which is actually a really good rate because normally you say uh, like up to about 50% uh, can like uh, yeah. de- deteriorate. Uh, so we wound up with 25. And then we did PGS uh, screening, uh, pre genetic screening. And pre genetic screening is something that I feel like a lot of fertility clinics are kind of d- disagreeing about because. Um, Obviously, what PGS does is you get uh, some insights on which of these embryos could potentially develop like um, uh, like a chromosome fault. Not that they would, 
but it's 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 mostly about trying to avoid spontaneous miscarriages with the carrier because those embryos might have like be more prone to that just to sort of uh, spare her of that experience and spare her, and then spare us for it as well. Um, so after the PGS, uh, because the part of PGS is, 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 well, it is basically taking a biopsy of the embryo and the embryo might break. And some of ours did, um, not too many though, but we were left with 19 embryos after that with, which was like quality A, like nine from me and 10 from him. That's incredible. Um, yeah, no. And then like all, all nine of the ones in my pool were girls and his were mixed like boys and girls <laughs> because that's also an additional info you get with PGS. Like right. you have a 60 year old embryo and you get to know the gender of it. And people, I, I feel like that's also like another part of this whole discussion that we have a lot of in Denmark is people asking, oh my God, aren't they like total designer children? No. And we're like, yeah. well, basically we tried having children naturally. It doesn't really work. <laughs> uh, so, like, they are going to be designer children no matter what in the sense that we are going down a road that choice. is... Uh, yeah. It, it, that gives choice. And then that's a question and that's some answers you need to find as a couple or as a single parent is what what what, what choices are you comfortable making and which are you uncomfortable making? Um, and, and, and for us, given that this journey was is so expensive that is, as it is and so emotionally exhausting as well, we, we thought to ourselves, okay, if... if if this can happen, let's just go for it. Let's say, okay, we want to try with the two best embryos, one from each of us. Uh, and if that be a boy and a girl, amazing. But otherwise, just the two healthiest embryos. And so uh, that's actually what happened in the end of the first try. It was a boy and a girl. Oh, wow. Uh, okay, so we got well, we, we, that. Just skipped a big step in there, didn't we? I know, but I think that from the beginning. So. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, that's true. That's true. You already spoiled that part. Okay, but yeah, okay, no, that's okay. So you had your embryo. So we've gotten here now. What about yeah. the gestational carrier part? So obviously, finding a donor, yeah. an egg donor, is very different in that you're looking at looks and things like that and and you know our academics exactly. and her genetic background what it, how is it looking mm. for a gestational carrier for you totally different and also in the sense that well we, we we went with a very small agency that was amazing in the sense that we had such great contact with our uh, parent coordinator but also challenging in the way that obviously there aren't that many women enrolled mm. on the waiting list yeah. um and so what we also realized is that they call this sort of like a dynamic waiting list. It isn't like, okay, you're next in line. It's going to be you. It's all this yeah. matching process, not just right. a matching process as to like, do we want her? Also, does she want us? Does her family want us? And that's it, like the glory of the matching process in the U.S. I feel like is you won't get to work with people that you like completely disagree with on like ethical standpoints or right. like uh, you try to actually match people who will get along. Um, obviously then there are people who, who have like a lot closer relationship to the carriers that we do. We just found out we had like the real exact same kind of crude, like Scandinavian humor. Uh, and then others are, will have like a more sort of a week to week sort of more, uh, detailed appointments and we have to talk. Um, but obviously both things can work because everybody agrees beforehand on, on, on like what their level of desired contact is. Um, so we on the waiting list and they told us in the beginning it was going to be four to six months and then um trump uh took office mm. and then we could see well i mean it's funny it's funny like looking 
at the U.S. from abroad because all of the stories we get here is 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 is, is basically about how bad Trump is and all of these stuff. Um, and the reason I mentioned that is 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 as basically people in Denmark, for example, they think of the U.S. When we say surrogacy in the U.S., they go like, "How can that be done? Don't they like?" ban women from having like abortions don't they like hate the female body and all of these things and that's what's funny about surrogacy because like yes in some parts of like legislation in the u.s as we see it from abroad is very restricted with when it comes to like reproductive possibilities and stuff like that while others are like very liberal let's take for example surrogacy because it's been proven to work and it's like everybody walks away as winners um and that's also some education we have to get over here is that uh, like, uh, there are sides to the U.S. that people don't think about or don't we're, know here. We're a complicated so country. Yes, we are. You yeah. are. You are. Um, and so after Trump took uh, office, the waiting list got even longer because he basically had sworn to like uh, demolish Obamacare to begin with. And so people were like holding their horses to see where was this going to go before I enrolled and like carrying someone else's child and suddenly I won't have insurance, which that makes perfect sense. Um, so we were, we got a match after nine months in the waiting list, which was obviously a little long for what we had expected, but the match we got was absolutely uh, perfect. Um, and how how yeah. did that process just the matching since especially logistically because you're yeah. in a different country so in you know in the yeah. United States especially if people are local to each other they can meet in person or yeah exactly uh, how did you guys do that well I mean there are different options you can choose to do like an entire matching process only uh, via Skype uh, or you can choose to go there as well to meet the person we did the latter uh, so we started off, we started off having Skype meetings. Um, well, one big like Skype meeting to begin with, where we had our parent coordinator from the agency, and the carrier and her husband and us too. And it is like the craziest like first chat Omegle day ever. It's like, okay, here we are on Skype. We might want to give you children. I, I always call it the um, weirdest blind date you will ever be on in your life. It's yeah, crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy. Not 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 only for the fact that it's like with a woman, but still, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> a woman you're going to ask to have um, your baby at the end as well. Exactly, and her husband. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, um, no, so we just really hit it off to begin with. Obviously, there were a little bit of nerves, but what was great was that the contact person from the agency basically walked us through all of these questions, both personally and also ethical. Like we had to take some stance on like, what are your feelings about abortions? What are your feelings about Down syndrome? All of these things to make sure that you're not suddenly at this point of no return where you have a woman who's pregnant and you disagree because uh, uh, there's like an anomaly. Uh, the fetus and you want to abort but she doesn't because obviously like in the u.s still of course she still has some power over her body it's her body so she can choose uh like to abort as far as we understood it there might be some like um there might be some consequences legally but still obviously and also for her health so you you have to agree on a lot of different things before you enter this agreement and we and then you have like these, what was it, like four hours after the meeting to like both parties had to get in touch with the agency to say they want to work with oh, each other. That was four like four hours? I don't know. Oh, you just decided oh, four wow. hours. That was huh? quick. Yeah, exactly. But we both got back to them within like half an hour saying, let's do this. Uh, so um, <laughs> that's absolutely perfect. Um, and I don't know if that, those four hours were binding. I think it was more sort of like getting like, uh, like a first-hand impression, like do we want to continue talking to them? Is this something we want to clarify? Or yeah. So um, 
we decided to work with each other. And then we decided quite quickly that we wanted to meet her before the embryos were um, were placed uh, in her body. So we went over and then we had like the second chapter of We Just Blinded Ever um, <laughs> with her and her husband. It was like right after Thanksgiving. Oh, wow. <laughs> just having like, yeah, turkey and stuff. Oh, cool. cool. You get to experience um, the joys of uh, American traditions, huh? <laughs> Perfect. Like the heart and soul of America is gravy. Um, <laughs> um, so, so, so that we just had a really good meeting with them. We actually hung out for like three, four days with them and their kids. Again, like the, one of the best things about my husband was like his ability to talk to kids. She had two children who were six and seven at the time, and he just connected with them in like instantly. Oh, and then awesome. we just. And we just hung out with her as well while, while the kids were in school and her husband was at work. We were just like, let's go like zip lining oh. and rock climbing and stuff like that. Stuff you can do while she was not pregnant <laughs> yet, right? <laughs> well, turns out, we'll get to that part like the day before she gave birth. She wanted it because they were upside down, like they had their feet down right before. She was like, I want to turn them around. So we went like uh, hiking uh, at God's Garden, yeah. uh, like the day before uh, the C section, just, just to try and see if they could turn around. Yeah, uh, yeah she's oh, cool. That's so awesome. <laughs> Yeah. So we went there and then two weeks later after we got home, she um she went to the clinic in California and, and, and everything was arranged and she was just so cool, like because she had done this once before. Um she had given birth uh to a child for an American couple the year before. And I think that first visit we went to meet them face to face was also really important to get to know her story and her motivations because that was not something we got to talk a lot about in the first Skype meeting. And what she told us that what's was basically that she grew up in a broken home in the sense that her and her sister um, didn't have that like uh, nuclear family type image that is sort of like. Uh, that's basically like uh, shown everywhere in like mainstream media and sitcoms and everything, like the American dream, basically. And that might be easy for an adult to say that's not like equal to happiness necessarily, but for kids, that is a very important image that they grew up with in the U.S. And she got married to her high school sweetheart really young when she was 19, I think, and they had two beautiful kids really early, um, or really early compared to Danish standards. So what she said to us was like, I always dreamed of, like the picture perfect family and now I have it and I've never been happier and I was it was so easy for me to be pregnant it was like the joy of my life but I'm I've had my own children and I want to be able to give other people who can't have what they dreamed of um and that was really really powerful to us because she had that personal motivation like she had achieved like her family dreams and goals and she could have just left it on that said I'm happy let's let it be at that but she said I want to make that happened for mm. people as well. That's so um, it really, really is. And she and must have I had a like, good experience with the American couple to want to do it again. Exactly. Exactly. She said she was like the most amazing thing. Um, and now, like after we had her, our twins, we talked to her like at Christmas this last year and she was like, yeah, I mean, if you guys want to do it again, we should do it. But I, oh, I, I won't work with anyone. So she yet. would only do it for you and, guys. And, and, oh. and, and, yeah, and I mean, obviously, we yeah. take that as a big compliment, but we also take it in the sense like this. There, obviously, you invest yeah. a lot of emotions in this as right. gestational carrier as well. It is, uh, it is really like uh, it is a tough job in the sense that that not only are you carrying a child, you're also getting to meet yeah. new people in a very intense, right. intimate way at the same time. Yeah, um, 
depending on the level of contact, obviously. So right. now that forces me to so ask. To Wait, transfer. I have to ask then. Oh, are you? Oh, sorry. Are you planning on having? Are you planning on doing another journey with her, or are you, are you sharing that? Is that? We are looking into the now. We're looking into the financials right ah. now because obviously we sold a house and then we're. In Denmark, we have this crazy law that you can only flip a house once what? without paying taxes. Um, at the next, month. yeah, I know it was funny because like we we spent like a month before the birth of our twins, like at our hotel room in Colorado, just basically only watching HGTV because <laughs> we don't have that at home. There's <laughs> only freaking people flipping houses. My husband was like, "I want to do it again." It's like you can't. Mm. You gotta pay taxes. Um, so we're looking into the financial of it. Uh, basically, he wants to have twins again. Uh, I probably would too because. Uh, yeah, we always talked about how like having three to four kids. We have like a minivan. <laughs> there so you go. Fill it in You're already set. You have the car. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. We just sell the dog. So. That, that'll be enough. <laughs> that must be a very nice dog. No. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Exactly. But um, so that's probably still a few years ahead. But our carrier is also she's young. I oh, mean, wow. she was 27 yeah. when she gave birth to our twins, wow. uh, and that was her fourth and fifth child. Wow. Um, so you're so yeah. you went to the transfer. Obviously, you talked about that, but we didn't talk about. Did it work the first time? So, so we actually didn't go to the transfer. We were there. Uh, we were on Skype because she was so. Uh, I think that's how we got into the story of her, like giving birth for another couple. Is that she actually was also a great guidance for us in this process. Like, if you are lucky enough to match with a with a person who has been in gestational care before, that person has a lot of inside knowledge to guide you because obviously they're the agencies, they're the facility clinics, but to have that insight of someone who's actually been on the other side of the process is, 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 is really priceless as well. Um, and so she went to the transfer and then uh, even though there were like no photography allowed, she like sweet talked them to have us online Aww. through Skype through everything. And she was like, I'm so embarrassed. I'm wearing two different socks. Please bear with me. <laughs> um, so yeah, they were, uh, we had the transfer. And then a few weeks later, we had the first result that both of them were uh, viable and alive. Wow. Um, so yeah, that was really crazy. It was like four days before Christmas. It was like the best Christmas oh, ever. Oh, that's fantastic. And did she have, was there anything with the pregnancy? I mean, was it an uneventful pregnancy? How is your contact through all of that? Does she keep you updated? I mean, it's a very, especially internationally, you know, like you've got time zone issues and sleep and you know all those things that play into this. I think one of the, uh, I think one of the biggest, like physically, there was a total uneventful pregnancy. Everything was smooth sailing. What is really important for intended parents abroad to get into the details of is insurance mm-hmm. in the U.S. Uh, because we had a few bumps along the way there. Because right. basically, so especially with twins, the, right? It, I know, I know. And the easiest thing is obviously to find a gestational carrier who has insurance, either her own or through her husband or through work or whatever. But that insurance will only pay until the children yeah. are delivered, because then they are inside her body. And once the children are outside her body, then it's your responsibility. And what you should know is that, like a few years ago, they a lot of the. Um, insurance companies, they sort of removed the option of purchasing newborn insurance for twins. You can still do that for singletons, but not for twins if you're an international attended parent. Um, So that was like, that's also funny about our relationship as a couple because I'm kind of like the person who freaks out. I'm kind of like Eeyore from Winnie the Pooh, like, oh my God, everything's going to go wrong. And he's kind of like Ticker, just jumping up and I'm like, ooh, everything's going to be fine. Um, And so, 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 and that's what's amazing that like 
he makes me believe that everything is going to be fine. He said, this is, this is what we dream of. If something goes wrong, we're going to find a plan B. We cannot let the thought of a possible something going wrong stand in the way of like having the family of our dreams. So we went with the twin plan still. Um, and what we found out along the way is so, um, there is, that's also a legal gray zone in the U.S., and you as a lawyer, Ellen, will have to decide whether you put this on or not, because obviously it wasn't you that we talked to, so you can rest very calmly. Uh, but there are options. So obviously when a kid is born in the U.S., that child becomes uh, a U.S. citizen. And U.S. citizens still, at least, have the right to the Affordable Care Act, also known as uh, Obamacare. Yeah, but uh, they but go through their parents' uh, yeah. residence. Yeah, is the problem. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly, exactly. But then there are like yeah. there are some companies who claim at least that they can help you through the process of like then you get like a makeshift address and stuff like that. But we still didn't really oh. feel comfortable about that. Nice. That's also just saying that. When you go through this process, make sure that you find a lawyer you can trust who will and give you the right. And ethical companies too. It sounds like, yeah, and exactly, exactly. Because there are a lot of companies who will tell you stuff that can be done, and then you might wind up in an even worse situation right. than what you started with. Um, right. And uh, no product placement here. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah. no worries. <laughs> <laughs> um, and and um, so basically, when 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 the twins were delivered, uh, we had no insurance. We had a little bit of like backup, well, some backup money still uh, that obviously we would rather keep to actually spend on the kids when we got home. Um, but they were taken by C-section, and everything was fine until uh, so. Basically, uh, when you do a C-section, there's always going to be like this respiratory team of doctors present. Our son oh. stopped breathing uh, right oh. after he was born, and our daughter had to had like her lug. Uh, she had like some um, some of the water um, uh, in her lungs that had to be like suctioned out. And so, basically, because like whenever the respiratory team had to touch a towel, that was thirteen and a half thousand dollars, just no matter what, <laughs> times two. Right. Um, uh, so so so. And that's funny coming from a country like Denmark, which is similar to a lot of European countries where we have uh, right. healthcare paid right. by the government. Is that 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 we're not used to like being presented with economical like facts like right after I think they were like two 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 hours old. We were sitting with them on like our chest, like skin to skin, and this woman walks up with like her little folder. She's like, "Yeah, right. I'm gonna pay for this." Um, and we and we explained her everything and, and and said like we can't get insurance and all these things and obviously we we're gonna make it work but but like like we were just honest about our situation and just as much as hospitals and the healthcare sector in the U.S. is a business then there are also options for discounts right. that's also something you should know as a parent from abroad. The price is not always the price. Make sure yeah. you get a lawyer to negotiate there are, costs. There are services the out there too that do that we as well. Even, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. And we um, we didn't even get to that point because this woman, I think she really like uh, understood what we were going through when we were at the hospital in Denver. And so she, she said, I'm going to go run some numbers. And she came up the day after and she was like, we're giving you a 90% discount um, because they enrolled us in, uh, in this um, HCA, it's called the Hospital Care Act. It's like uh, something you can get enrolled in if there's like grounds to believe that you are in like special circumstances where you can't pay like a really tall uh, hospital bill. So the final bill for like 42, uh, 48 hours was $40,000 and we wound up paying wow. 4000 and left the hospital. Oh. 
I know. So now we could actually buy like nice that's clothes actually, for kids, I, that's, uh, instead of like burlap. That's packs. actually better yeah. than I've seen some parents get away with with, with insurance. insurance yeah. Even. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel it's, it's, it's funny because normally what we heard is that you should stay in the hospital like three to four days following the birth was because my husband was a pediatrician and he could also see through a lot of... So obviously it's some of the best care I've ever had a hospital in my life, obviously also because it is expensive and there are enough people. Uh, one of the downsides of government-paid uh, health insurance, for example, in Denmark is that it is also a very tight system in the way that, that that they really try to like save on manpower and stuff like that to make everything work around uh, to make everything run, run around so it's just like a really service-minded experience uh, but that also includes like them actually trying to upsell like tests or we could do this or we could do that and uh, so having my husband there who was a pediatrician to actually see through that and what could actually wait uh, until we got to Denmark was also a part of like uh, right. hospital bill getting That's a little bit helpful. smaller. Right. Um, so my best advice, find someone who can guide you through the journey and marry a pediatrician. I was going to say, best advice, marry a pediatrician. <laughs> That's all you need to yeah. do. Marry Excellent advice. <laughs> yeah, just ask my mom. She was like, it's the right thing to do. <laughs> that is awesome. So you only stayed in the hospital for 48 hours. They were born in yeah, full term then. Is that correct? They were born in week 37. Okay. Yeah, she was amazing and being pregnant, our carrier. Uh, so we went there because normally like twins, there's a great risk of them like uh, being born prematurely. So we went there in week 32, 33 of the pregnancy just to be sure we wanted to be there. She wanted us to be there. We wanted to be there, be part of it. And it, it coincided with like um, like uh, the holiday season and the holiday, like the summer vacation season. So it was no problem getting off work. Um but obviously, that's also something you have to account for when you're coming from abroad. It's not just the price of right. the journey itself. It's also the price of all the trips you go there and the hotels and the car rentals right. and the eating. Because obviously, you have to go to like... Uh, obviously. Lobster, so, um, <laughs> of course, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Um, so, so um, where did I come from now? Yeah. It's almost like nighttime here. <laughs> Yeah, no, um, we appreciate that you're talking to us still. But it, no, so they were full term, but they were only in the hospital for totally. two days. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's where we came from. Yeah, so we, like, SR, like her her OBGYN said, like, she could carry these twins until, like, week 42. What do you want to do? <laughs> uh, because she was just, like, great at being pregnant. And, and she was like, yeah, my kids have to start school. Can we do, like, a section? Because they were yeah. big enough. Because they were big enough, they were both, like, six pounds uh, at week 37. Um, so we decided to do a C-section at week 30, 37 because they were both like facing the wrong direction with their feet down. And if they were like identical twins, that would be a possibility of like turning the uh, sack around, but you can't really do that when they're fraternal twins. Uh, um, so, so, so it was C-section and not that that was like, uh, a medical problem per se, but she, like all the other deliveries she's been through has been vaginal deliveries and she really wanted that still. And we totally wanted that too. Also, because my, besides being a pediatrician, my husband is specialized in like the allergy and asthma department of um, pediatrists of the pediatrists, and actually delivering. Apparently, research shows that delivering de- delivering a child uh, vaginally will also expose them to a lot of like really good bacteria that can help like against developing asthma. So, and I have asthma, so uh, yeah. Oh wow! But everything worked out fine, and they were beautiful and. And yeah. Were you able to be in the room during we the C-section? We were in the room, yeah, both of us. Wow. I, they strapped, uh, I strapped like a awesome. GoPro to my chest, so we have everything <laughs> on 
Wow. Oh, they let you film too? Yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Uh, and also including like when our son stopped breathing and I didn't understand what was going oh. on. My husband was like crying and he was totally blue for five minutes. So it's like this emotional oh, roller coaster. It's, like, uh, it's the craziest home video ever. Um, and wow. then like our carrier was just like so amazingly strong. And she so she got on these like pain meds. Um, that was supposed to last for like two to four days. And like after half a day, she turned it down to like a one instead of a four. And she was like, should we have a burger? Uh, <laughs> so we just ordered like half a day food. And then we just like had dinner together with her and her husband and her kids, all of us, even though we had like roommates next to each other. I think that's also really important to stress for like parents coming from abroad. There are a lot of people who ask you, especially in Denmark, because they don't know about surrogacy. They ask like, what happens when she gives the child away? And it becomes like this very like gloomy mood around the conversation because it's like you take a baby from a child and you never see her again. That's basically not what happens. So the child comes to you right after because it's your biological child. If you are there present for the birth, sometimes like births happen and you have to get there from abroad and then, yeah. But, 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 um, you stay in rooms next to each other uh, for the first couple of days. And then depending on obviously on your re- relationship, you're in contact until you go back home. We were in contact because you wanted to like pump uh, breast milk for them. And we gave that to the, the kids in bottles. So we picked that up every other day because we were staying close to her apartment. And then after that, she donated the rest of her breast milk to like this preemie bank. Um, so, so wow, yeah, she's really amazing. cool. And then my husband I found out. She sounds like an incredible person. Yeah. Yeah, she's amazing. And yeah, so my mom actually also flew over for the birth because uh, she was like, I want to see like the birth of my grandkids. Uh, yeah, so we had my yeah. mom there. So we picked her up at the airport, at Denver Airport. Like this big, big sign saying, like, Suzanne, soon to be Grandma Falk. My sister has two no. kids already. And she's like, she was crying. We were crying. People were taking pictures. It was like, <laughs> I think it's also really important throughout this journey, especially when you're from far away, celebrating all of those small milestones, be it finding the egg donor, go have dinner and celebrate that. You can find your, just a small carrier, be it like having some of your family travel to be part of it. Everything is something you just celebrate and take pictures and document it because. It's going to be years before the kids are old enough to go see it in person, but it's really important for them to have all of these stories to relate to from when they're a lot smaller. So, I say, and it is their story. So you have it one is. more logistic issue when you're coming from overseas. Going home, how how did you yeah, have to I deal know. with uh, a lot of documents? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. And again, find yourself a good lawyer who can answer these questions. Um, so. Um, yeah, basically what you have to do when you're coming from abroad, depending on the country, is first of all getting the birth certificates that you'll go get at uh, this vital records center following the birth. Um, and then you have to apply for a U.S. passport. And when we went to the U.S., what we heard from others was like, was like it can take two weeks to get a passport, but actually you can do it in a matter of days, especially if you do it in Colorado. Colorado is the only place in the Midwest that has a in Denver. So you can get it in two to three days if you pay like a $10 fee. Good, I, I like that shout out for Colorado. Good but job. But still also being... <laughs> I know. I'm like, woohoo, go Colorado. Yeah. yeah. Shout out. Yeah. Like when, 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 yeah. when you found out, you have to celebrate. So, um, but still being married to a pediatrician again, we... Um, we sort of did our research and it says that it's probably not that like the best of ideas to fly before they're two weeks old, even though they're actually allowed when you get like a doctor's note after like a week or so, then it's, it's, it's a good idea for their ears, especially if you're like from really far abroad to wait until they're two weeks old, just to handle the pressure in the cabin. Um, so we got all the documents and their passports, uh, 
also make sure you like a lot half a day to go to CVS to get like passport uh-huh. pictures because yeah. trying to get like a oh six day old baby to stay still with both ears yeah. and eyes visible. Right. Holy I, crap. I, yeah. I had to do that. Uh, I had to move experience. overseas when my daughter was an infant and I had to do that too. And Oh my goodness, that passport yeah. It's hysterical. Like, I love looking back at that passport photo now, but it was tough. Hard fought crazy. and won for that. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, the passport for a son, he looks like Margaret Sherlock, like a three day bundle. My advice, which does not help you uh, now, but my advice that I used was to wear a white shirt, you as the parent, and then you can hold the baby, okay. prop them against you so that you can hold them upright, but use your body to use as like the prop, and then you have that white background. So that's that's my advice. So, so you pass it on to that. anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. No, 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 no. You as a parent wear a white shirt. That's all. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Um, and then we um, went home. It was like a 14-hour flight. Um, and that is also, if you're coming from abroad, make sure you contact your aircraft carrier. Once the children are born, you can't book a ticket for your children until they're born because you don't know oh, their date of right. birth. Um, and oftentimes also a passport number. But uh, So we called them and asked for these bassinets like this, so they could basically lie down on the way home. Um and what we did, because it's it's so funny, like kids at that age, when they're so small, they basically just sleep the day away if you're lucky. Uh, and they're not like sick with anything from the beginning. Um, but we had prepared, because we felt that like we were the nervous ones, that people were going to be looking at us uh, if something went wrong and they were streaming all the way. So we did these like 40 small oh! gift um, <laughs> bags uh, at the hotel room while we were preparing to go home with like candy and earplugs. Wow. And then this small note that explained that this was their first flight home and maybe like their tummies hurt and sorry in oh. advance. But you could also download uh, this playlist we had created on Spotify called Babies <laughs> Playlist, even. <laughs> wow, I've heard of the candy uh, in the notes, but I've never heard the playlist uh, before. Yeah, so, which was also like a mix of like yoga, meditation music, and like heavy metal to satisfy <laughs> uh, the so You'll have aisle. to send us the playlist, oh, and we'll have to post it if yeah. you're willing to do that. Uh, I, think, I think it's still online. Oh, it's like yes. this perfect mix of like really serene Bali tunes and like Rammstein heavy metal bangers. <laughs> um, but what that did, well, basically, they were sleeping most of the time. I think they cried like two minutes over Greenland, probably because of global yeah, warming or something. That's um, fair. But, uh, that's fair. But, 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 you should have but, political but opinions really early. Yeah, so, yeah. Exactly. We are going to enforce that on them. We are Danish. <laughs> um, no, but, the, but what it did was it created like a very early bond with the other passengers around us that they wanted to come talk to us um, and ask questions and how the kids wanted to see them. And just like having conversations with people around you on such a long plane ride, and not just sitting there, and like what are people thinking is really important for your uh, like ability to re- re- relax as well. And then we went home, and everybody was waiting in the airport, and like the perfect host, as my husband was, he invited everybody home for dinner. <laughs> so we took twenty people home and created a buffet while the kids wow. were sleeping. Oh my goodness! After you'd been gone for six weeks, also we were right? Definitely yeah. the chillest, and on a fourteen-hour plane ride. Parents <laughs> of twins ever—that is amazing. We try, right? We oh try. my goodness, that is such an incredible story. Well, I think. Yeah, and now we're here, and they're teething and crying, oh. and taking care of them, and. Everything is beautiful. Um, 
one last like curl to the yeah. story is, 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 is so when we got home uh, two weeks after our, our daughter fell like really sick, she uh, got meningitis. Oh, so no. scary. Uh, thing. Yeah, which is like this uh, brain um, infection, which is lethal. Um, and we only spotted it again because my husband is a doctor. And the reason I mentioned it is because like if that had happened in the US, then we would be bankrupt for the rest of our lives. Uh, so make sure that you look into insurance and what your options are. If you're going to go the safer way, have one child and make sure that you talk to uh, insurance beforehand. We were lucky that we made it home before that happened. We were in hospital for 31 days with her. Um, I was going to say, and is she okay now? She is perfectly She's fine okay. now because he, uh, he, he discovered it in time. And I think that also just made everything the more clearer to us that we just have to celebrate these kids because uh, she almost checked out before she even got here. So now we're just focusing solely on them. Yeah. Well, such an amazing yeah. story. We really, really appreciate you sharing it. And hopefully there'll be a, another chapter. We'll check in with you later. It will. Get older. At least we'll Here's come back a, to Colorado to share We'll have them. you come back. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, and yeah, exactly. if you're willing to share any of them, I have to say your your baby pictures are like, model babies the cutest outfits they're so adorable i love them so much so yeah they're beautiful now i now i miss them i have to go next door and like, yes okay finish, finish up this podcast <laughs> go hold your we'll, babies we'll let you go okay. thank you so much it was a pleasure talking to you <laughs> thank you casper Thank you, Casper. Um, I really appreciate you taking the time in the middle of the night, given our I know, time right? change, to share and to take a, a few minutes away from taking care of twin beautiful babies. And or maybe that was a break. Maybe this was like the I, <laughs> relaxing break I for you. This day. No. It was a trick. We just don't know. <laughs> Not really. They. I mean, Casper and Lambeck have been so just relaxed and like the most amazing parents. Where like the rest of us are stressed out, and they're like, "No, we're good. We got it. We're fine." Yeah. I I was telling, and this is off, I told Casper the story off the air, but my husband was deployed when our daughter was born. And uh, my brother-in-law came out and he was an ER doc to come to help me when, when I brought her home. And he would grab her and basically run because so as calm as it sounds like Lambang is, like my brother-in-law would get panicked. He'd see people and he would see like sickness and illness everywhere. <laughs> and he would freak out. He'd like, get the baby away from the people. Don't let the baby near anybody touch anything. Oh, so he was um, not as much of a calming influence. I'm, I'm sorry, Noah, I love you, but you weren't as calming as you, as you might've been. <laughs> That's hilarious. So yeah, but I do appreciate him and I thank him for taking the time and coming out and helping me during that time frame. And as always, we like to thank people because thankfulness is a good thing. But thank you to Chris at Work at Bird Studios and to our entire team who work so hard to make us sound incredible and be incredible. And thank you to all of you who listen and give us support and call and leave us reviews on iTunes. So thank you so much. 